I definitely wrote down something about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, is it? Let's go mark it. There we go. Woo! <laughs> All right. You ready? Mmm. Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we discuss puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today we are going to talk about David Lynch's Eraserhead. This was made when I was born, man. This comes from 1977, written and directed by David Lynch. This is his first feature film. And one thing that I'm probably going to mention again, and maybe multiple times, is the fact that right after this, he did The Elephant Man, and then right after that, did Dune. What a wild set of movies we have going on here, and leads me to the gap I probably want to fill in at the end, or not fill in, but question (laughs) at the end. As far as reviews, IMDb has a 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes, critics at 91%, audience at 82%. I'm utterly shocked, but that's probably just because of how I feel about this one. It's only an hour and 29 minutes, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) This is not my favorite, and... It's one that I kind of put off for a long time, but doing this for the podcast, I was glad because I'm not actually sure I would have made it all the way through this one if it had not been for, really? uh, for that. Yeah. I, I like this a lot. I thought this was really out there and weird. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I definitely think this is like Lynch at his lynchiest. <laughs> And that's why we do it for the podcast. So I'm probably going to irritate a lot of people by saying I don't like it. I'll win them back by saying I do like it. Yeah. (laughs) Our sort of good cop, bad cop (laughs) routine. Yeah, I think this is a really tough one for me to push as far as like a recommendation. I think that I would lean towards the others we have done before just because I feel they have, even though it's still very Lynch storytelling style, more of a story than what I feel we get with this one. I feel this one is more an art piece that personally I feel is probably a lot of short film ideas that have been kind of thrown together with a sort of through story, but not really. Yeah, it's very artistic. It's it's not a story so much as an idea. And that's the thing, yeah. And I think that as well, it's just not a lot for me to kind of grip onto. I've talked about this before, and I'll probably mention again even later this episode. But for me, symbolism is not a story. It should assist the story, not be the story. But in this one, I feel it very much is the story. I feel like as well, like like Lynch back in the day, after watching this and then Elephant Man and... and Yeah, by the way, Darren's been on a bit of a Lynch kick. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think David Lynch thought he was a special effects guy and then he just grew out of it. It's like he seems to have gone, (laughs) gone all in on like the kind of almost like Cronenberg special effects. And then one day he just like realized, nah, I'm just going to do weird stories. And kind of drifted away from that because his first few films are really quite special effects. I'm not going to say heavy, but they're prominent and they become less prominent as his career goes on. Hmm. Interesting. So for me, I would say that it's worth watching for people who are really into indie, strange films, people who love art as film or film as art. But if you're looking for a coherent story, I don't think this is the one for you. And if you've not watched David Lynch yet, any of his other works, this is not, even though this is his first, this is not the one that I would recommend. I would say that Elephant Man is a good one to start with. I think even Mulholland Drive. We've talked about that on here before. Yeah. Yeah. Lost Highway. Yeah, they're they're strange and they do some really weird things and some stuff that isn't really what I would call coherent storytelling. But there's a, a lot there's a lot of easier things to grasp in those. Yeah, and I like, feel there, there is in this one. Yeah, there's like easier entrance points. This is tough. I remember trying to watch this years ago and I got to a part in it and I was just like, right, I'm tapping out, man. I can't I can't deal with this right now. And then I came back recently and it's like, yeah, no, I, re- I really like this. But but like I said, yeah, I, I did try and watch this before and I was like, nope, not for me. This isn't like Lost Highway or whatever, you know, I was like, because I think, yeah, one of the, I, I mean, obviously I watched I watched Elephant Man when I was a kid. And that freaked me out. Um, I didn't see it to high school, so uh, okay. I was probably more prepared for it than you were. And then I watched, uh, I watched uh, Dune, but my first real 
as a semi-adult was probably, yeah, like Lost Highway or something like that. I think it was Lost Highway. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll go and I'll watch the rest of his stuff. And I tried to watch Eraserhead and I was like, this is weird, man. <laughs> this is this is out there. Yeah. You would recommend it to people, though. I would, yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I would say, just if you don't like it, just try and watch, just try and bear through it. Because it is a really interesting film for me. Again, I think the hour 29 is probably a good link. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> if this was a three-hour movie. Yeah, because his other films are just so long. I'm watching uh, Inland Empire now, and I had to break it into two pieces because it's three hours long, and it's like three hours of, of Mulholland Drive, basically. <laughs> so with that, I think it's time we really get into our spoiler section. So if you've already seen Eraserhead, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can join us. But for the rest of you, here it is, your spoiler warning. Not a lot of really famous people in this one. You'll recognize... There's one person that I know. Yeah. <laughs> Was it the pencil sharpener? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, to- I totally possess my dad. <laughs> that would probably be the, the most... I've seen him in a number of things, but yeah, that yeah. would be the thing I, was like, I know. Oh my God, is that, is that... Was it Bill or Ted? That's Ted's dad. Ted's, is that Ted's dad? Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I actually don't think we ever see Bill's dad. We only see his stepmom missing. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack Nance, though I think in this one he's credited as John Nance. Okay. He's in Dune as well. He's one of the guards in Dune. Oh, yeah. He was Pete Martell in Twin Peaks. He's yeah, he's in like, a lot of Lynch been in a lot of, yeah. fun, of, of Lynch <laughs> stuff. <laughs> he was there at the beginning and kind of stayed right through. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into it. Do let me know at the point where you stopped watching. I think I can guess. Yeah. We start with an odd shot of some sort of moon. Or yeah. Earth or something. I thought it was, I, I figured it was the moon. Yeah. But what I think now is it's more a brain. I'm guessing it's going to be his his mind. Well, it would kind of make sense given the way that it was shot. Uh, Jack Nance as Henry Spencer is sort of juxtaposed or kind of placed over top of it, and they're sort of moving up and down and up and down. He's almost kind of translucent over yeah. this, and it is kind of going in his head. And it looks very strange because he's clearly just standing, but the film has been turned outside, or the camera recorded him more likely on its side because he's fully clothed. He has his pocket protector with all his pens and markers. And yeah, it's, it's a very strange shot. Yep, it is. And also, I was thinking the whole way through the film, why is this called Eraser? Oh, I think I know. Okay. But is that something I, for later? Yeah, because we'll get to that. I, I don't think you're going to like it, though. I thought, honestly, when I remember I had a poster of this on my wall when I was in high school. I got it out of, it was one of those, like, center folds from Empire Magazine. And it was, like, old films. They were, they were doing, like, a month they had a bunch of, like, pull-out posters. And Eraserhead was one of them. And the reason the reason I thought it was called Eraserhead was because his head looks like the top of a pencil. I don't think so. And I think I, I think that's got something to do with the pencil maker. Well, I think the pencil maker is why it's Eraserhead, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into that when we hit that scene. But I, I mean, think. it still doesn't have any. Accent. I don't think you're gonna like my answer <laughs> though. Like, let's just set, set your expectations low. Okay. I am gonna say just as we begin about. <laughs> Ten minutes in the movie, I made a note. Describing this movie is going to sound like the movie audio for people who have hearing impairment. Because there's not a lot to discuss as far as like plot or stuff. It's a lot of like visuals. symbols and visuals. And I guess as we go through kind of our interpretation of what it is or does it mean anything. Now that we're in the spoiler section, let me say that this movie is probably... Now, I have not seen all of his catalog, but of the Lynch movies I've seen, this, I think, is the strangest and the hardest for me to grip onto anything. Like, I don't really feel like there's a a solid character of any of them to really latch onto. These would all be weird NPCs in a game or just side characters you'd see in a movie that would pop in for, like, the one scene and then go away. And this movie has kind of collected them all. Mm. There are some themes I think we could go through, but here's the thing. And I sent you this video. So I'm going to talk about it here uh, in part to remind myself to put this in. But I think this movie is the perfect time to put in a clip. And if I do, the link will be in the show notes. Someone asked David Lynch 
about what do you think about people who say your movies are hard to understand? And Lynch gave a response. I love ideas. I like a story that's got some concrete, you know, structure, but also holds abstractions. Life is filled with abstractions. And the way we make heads or tails of it is through intuition. And so uh, people get used to a film that pretty much explains itself 100%. And they kind of turn off that, you know, beautiful thing of intuition when they're looking at a film that has some abstractions. And some people, on the other hand, love these abstractions, and it gives them room to dream. He doesn't think about story the way that I think about story. No, yeah, and I, 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 I'm one of these people that always tries to like find like a hidden meaning and stuff. But with David Lynch films, I don't because if he's not going to do it, then neither am I. That's exactly my point, and that is the thing where I saw one review on IMDb that said it's about it, this and this. It, well, it's more. It was not so specific as that. Right, okay. This one said, oh, if you really want to understand this movie, you have to live it, love it. You have to watch it every day for a long time. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't think there is that much meaning here. No. I really don't. As I said before, I think that he came from a background of short films. Mm -hmm. I think he had a bunch of different ideas, thought maybe he could make a through story here, and kind of does. They do feel kind of connected. But you could see that this could also be six different short films as well. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good history of his short, his short films are great. Like Fire was great, Rabbits was great. Yeah, he's, he's built for that. It's like that's almost his vehicle, man. For me, he's like he's good at he's good at those. And that, for me, I think is the thing. I would prefer it more in short form. Mm -hmm. This kind of experimental stuff, 20 minutes, great. Because, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, like, going back to his interviews, it's like I watched an, an interview with him, and someone was asking him about his ideas. And he's like, yeah, an idea is just that. It's, it's an idea. It's not something that I pay much attention to. It's just like, I have an idea. And I put it on screen, but I don't really think about it. And for you to interpret my ideas is like, that's not why I make films. I don't, I don't want people, basically he was saying, I don't want people to interpret my stuff. I want you just to go and watch it. And if it gives you an emotion, my job is done. And so for me, that kind of flicks a switch in my brain where I'm just like, all right, I'm not even going to bother trying to find a hidden meaning in this because it's, 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 he just wants me to have a, have a feeling. And I had several feelings to this film, you know? And that's my mindset as well. I, I can't turn it off, but as I'm watching a movie like Eraserhead, knowing that mm -hmm. now, I can go, yeah, but if he didn't really put meaning behind this, do I need to try and put meaning behind mm -hmm. it? And I don't. But then, yeah, that, that, then we get into the territory of this is like, rather than going to a, an art gallery to look at a, a Jackson Pollock and whatever you take away from that, we're now doing it with, with moving pictures, you know? And so it's like, yeah, what does it mean? It means something to me that it means doesn't mean to other people. There's no set set thing. It's not it's not like we're watching a film. The, the director has deliberately put little Easter eggs in there to like be like, okay, this is what the film is about. Who can find out what I'm really trying to say here? Which is what we normally, I think, are trying to do, whether intentional or just subconsciously, we are still trying to do that. Yeah. But... That is one thing I'd say about Eraserhead. Going into it with that mentality, I found it more enjoyable than I probably would have otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that is kind of cool in a way. It's like it takes away all that pretentiousness, if that's if that's the word. Or would it be pretension? It's like, what does he mean? What is you know, like like that that, that review you just you just quoted. That's a bit like, come on, man. Do you even know who you're talking about? How can you say that when the man himself has said pretty much the opposite of what you're trying to tell us? That's pretty dumb. <laughs> I think that much like any movie that relies heavily on symbolism, you can put a lot of different meanings to all of the things that are happening. And that yeah. is something that Lynch does well, is he gives you visuals and connections that you can use. I don't think he necessarily does it on purpose. I mm -hmm. think maybe subconsciously he is putting these things together in that way. But yeah, for me, I'm just not going to try and really interpret this one. Mm. There are a few things that maybe I'll say, but for the most part, I just tried to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, my only takeaway is, um, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a story about growing up and like facing up to reality. It's, it's like accepting responsibility as a parent getting married that kind of stuff it's like it's a film about your next level in life kind of thing you know like your next set of responsibilities and how 
as people, we don't really want to do that. It's like, that's why I got the feeling is like, you know, he's pushed into the situation that he doesn't really want to be in. And it's just miserable. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into that. Back to just the beginning opening stuff. We do fly closer to the moon and sort of in first person. So Henry Spencer disappears at some point. We see some weird, like, diseased man by a broken window. I wrote up the poxed man. Yeah. Operating some, like, it's almost like those rail railway lever kind of things to change tracks. Is he supposed to be on this moon? I mean, I'm again, it's like, is this like the consciousness? Like, this is the guy driving his brain. That's what I took away from it. It's like, this is the guy who's like driving this guy's brain. From what we see later on in the movie and what happens directly next, I'm kind of guessing is like, this is the moment of conception of the, the child kind of thing. It's like, this is like the... Well, why is he fully dressed and standing on his side? None of no idea. <laughs> I get what you're saying and... It may be, though... Okay, so some adult stuff coming up here. Oh, yeah. It looks like a sperm. It is... Yeah, I'm get. I thought it's like, is that a worm? Is it an alien? It's like, no, it's definitely a sperm. It just... And it comes out of his but even, mouth. <laughs> but even then, it's sort of... Alien-like. Yeah. And weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked just like a long string with just... A blob on the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Didn't really know what was going on at this point. And even later, <laughs> I was like, is that what it's supposed to be? I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. I'm, I'm guessing. I think we could probably take that then. It's a safe bet. I put it as a parasite in the beginning, mm. which I suppose in many ways, it could also be interpreted <laughs> yeah. as that, given what it does to his life and yeah. every everyone around him, yeah. everyone around him, the four people around him. That, <laughs> that parasite, as I put it, falls into a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess in your interpretation, that is connecting to the egg? The egg, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We go out of this hole, like the camera moves forward into light with a static sound. There are a lot of weird sounds that happen in this movie. A lot of weird sounds in this film, yeah. It definitely plays with your ears. We follow our protagonist, Henry Spencer, on a walk through rubble. And he's walking over piles of rubble unnecessarily when he can walk between them. Each place he goes to feels like it's becoming closer and closer. He goes from outside into sort of a warehouse district into an area that's like a narrow alleyway with just pipes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like something... Yeah, I spent the whole film going, is he is he dead? Is this supposed to be hell or something like that? Because it's just like, it's an industrial nightmare, this place. It's just... It looks like not not a place anyone would want to live. If I was to put something, I would just say that this is probably the drudgery of everyday life. Yeah. And how you feel further and further trapped into it. Mm. Especially, I think in this case, the closer you get to home. Mm. Because he's going to be essentially trapped throughout. He's carrying a paper bag, which I'm assuming was something he meant to have for dinner. But his neighbor, who... Like, the credits typically don't give characters proper names. So I think she's referred to as something like beautiful woman across the hall or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) She basically says that, and boy, is this the narrowest hallway ever? Yeah, it's really. I don't know how you ever got any furniture into your apartment based on Airlifted in through the roof. (laughs) But she says that Mary called and invited him or said he's expected to come to dinner with her parents. Mm. He goes in to a very sparse apartment. We're going to see the bed is very kind of small, old, and the blanket is just rotten. It's got holes all through it. Yeah. He's got a record player and that seems to be about all he's got. Yeah, he's got a plant, but there's no plant pot. It's just dirt <laughs> on the on kind of what is it the bedside cabinet was that here at this point do you know i don't know i don't know it definitely it, is very prominent later yeah yeah it's and he's got a picture so for some reason he's got a picture of an atomic bomb on the wall <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so he goes to the record player he searches for the song he wants apparently kind of lies down and then we're going to end up following him on his walk over to mary's place He ends up sort of in the back area. It doesn't look like a front door. Maybe it's meant to be the front door, but it looks very much like a back door. Mm. There's some sort of machinery spitting out steam. Yeah. All the the gardens dead. Like all the whatever flowers were grown there. They're all just stems. There's this whole scene. Well, it's like a 
uh, throughout this movie, it's a lot of montages where things are happening at the same time. So as he's walking, Mary is looking worried out the window. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone's facial expressions. I don't, I don't know how Lynch does this, but he, he gets the weirdest expressions out of people when he directs because Henry looks kind of a combination of really depressed and permanently surprised. It's like he looks, he's got, he's got this look of kind of mild shock and depression. And so does she. She just looks miserable. It's just wow. <laughs> like, I don't know. But then you kind of contrast that with like the woman dancing lady in the radiator later who's like all smiles and stuff like that. It's just very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Mary says something about him being late. Henry says, I wasn't sure that you'd even want me to be here. We're going to go into the house. And boy, is this a weird and awkward. The whole thing here is just weird and awkward. The mom is very blunt. Yeah. But also, yeah, everything. Okay, <laughs> let's get into it. Let me follow my notes here because yeah. this is where there's just so many weird things. Outside, what I didn't say is there are dying plants there as well. Dying plants everywhere. Like nothing lives in this world, apparently. Yeah. Henry, in response to her saying, you're late, says, I wasn't sure you wanted me to come over. You never come around anymore. She stopped showing up. Mm-hmm. Henry is invited in. The mother says, hello. And welcome to a very awkward and stilted conversation like about who Henry is, what he does for a living. He works at the printers. Yeah, but he doesn't say that. He's like, she says, what do you do? And he's like, I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You can, yeah, but even if I'm on vacation, I still have a job. That's not the right answer. What a strange answer. But also, he, he works, he, so yeah, he works as a printer or something like that, isn't he? He's yeah. a, it also makes no sense because we never see him work. We never see him no, do his job. No, no. So is he on permanent vacation? Yeah. Mental vacation. There are puppies nursing very noisily I to wrote, the side here. Yeah. The dogs are suckling on the mother and it sounded to me like cartoon kisses, a combination of cartoon, you know, like, you yeah, know, like, like that and bird tweets. Like that's what, that's what I could hear in there. It was weird. Yeah. Bizarre. Mary has some sort of weird fit until the mother brushes her hair. Yeah. Bill, her father, though he's not credited as Bill. I think he's... Crazy dad or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, he enters. He says they're going to have chickens that are man-made. They're smaller than my fist. I did not expect the next scene, man. When he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's going to be perfectly normal. But how wrong was I? He's apparently a plumber. He grumbles about how much work he's done for the people. He built the city, all the pipes in the city, yeah. Yeah, and they're a mess. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe that's that's saying something. Maybe maybe David Lynch just doesn't like plumbers. (laughs) But he complains about his knees after all the years of plumbing. We watch the parents prepare the dinner. It's so strange. The mother sort of makes a salad, and then she puts the salad bowl in, well, I'm assuming her mother's yeah, lap. Yeah, like the grandma's hand. And takes the her mother's hands and is using them to toss the salad in a way that's just... Totally mechanical and, like, just there's no thought behind it. It's just like, oh, here we go. Just, like, do this. It's like, yeah, weird. And the grandmother doesn't respond to no, anything. No, she's completely catatonic, isn't she, kind of? After that, she lights a cigarette in her mouth and yeah. then just leaves her. It's like... Yeah, and she just sits there. She doesn't get to join them for dinner. No. The father is preparing the super tiny chickens. And they're small. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... It was absolutely... Just total comedy. I was like, would, would, would you do the honors? And, and he's like, what? You mean, like, carve it? Like a normal chicken? <laughs> like, yeah, of course. And they give him this machete to Yeah, it's a huge knife and a, a, a huge like, turkey fork. And it's, so, it's just so comical. Uh, All because Bill says he had surgery and now he can't feel his arm. There's a whole long story about that. that yeah, and he, he, really wha- he no whacks his arm. Right? That looked painful. Like, I bet he had a bruise after, uh, after he shot that scene. Yeah, we're going to have the cutting of the chicken. Weird tiny chickens that Weird move. tiny chickens that dance when you cut them. And bleed. Bleed more than would ever be possible in that chicken. Mary's mother has some sort of strange psychic calling or something. <laughs> <laughs> like her eyes roll back and she's not really screaming, but maybe moaning or something. And then she leaves. Mary follows. The dad says something to Henry. Mm-hmm. And the dad is just there all smiles while Henry is clearly uncomfortable. And we just have a long time of uncomfortable silence for the viewer. Yeah. And the dad is just like, he's got this stare on his face. I think it's assumed he's just like, he's just staring with this goofy smile on his face. Like, oh man, this is very uncomfortable. 
So Mary's mother is going to come back. She is going to ask for a private conversation, which is about two feet from the table. She's going to ask very bluntly. Yes. If Henry and Mary had sexual intercourse. She's then going to start kissing his neck or something. Makes no sense here at yeah. all. No, I was like, what? Even by the movie standards, it's like, well, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> it's completely uncalled for. And then Mary kind of, she doesn't slap her, but she yells at her a little bit like, what are you doing? You know, something like that, I can't remember. So that stops and then starts the discussion of, well, Mary had a baby. To which Henry responds, but it's only been, so clearly it couldn't be that much time. Mary says, mother, stop, stop. They don't even know if it's a baby. So they don't even know what it is. The mother says it's premature. I'm guessing about nine months <laughs> premature. <laughs> yeah. And basically leads to the mother saying, you're going to have to get married. And Mary's upset by that. But Henry doesn't seem upset by that. He seems well, okay. He's happy to have her. Uh, yeah. In his life. Which is not what I would expect and also kind of doesn't fit everything else that seems to happen through the movie. So I really feel like this scene, if we were going to make a more kind of coherent story, this would be the one that would need to be worked out the most, I think, to kind of set up some of the other things that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he he does it. It's like the honorable thing to do, I guess. And he does it, but I think... But he doesn't it, seem upset at all. No. He doesn't and it, seem... And it doesn't, well, no, no more than he normally does. Yeah. And also, it, he's, he's no saint because it doesn't inter interfere with him having feelings for other people and cheating on Mary, I guess, later on in the film. But it's like, yeah, it's just he accepts his responsibility and, and yeah, kind of like, yep, let's, let's do it. Let's get married. Let's take care of the baby. Was there anything to the nosebleed? No idea. Okay. No it idea. seems to just be there to end the scene and to get... The mother out to get an yeah. ice cube so that these two could can, talk. Can be alone, yeah. yeah. I've, she does mention it even when it happens, but we watched the, the the last movie we watched was The Lobster, so all I could think about was that, the nosebleed scene in The Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> the dog whines, camera pans forward or is moved forward to the window, we cut to black. Time passes, though we don't know how much. Mary is now living with Henry in his tiny apartment. She is feeding what I am going to, in air quotes, call a baby. I put, it looks like a baby Admiral Akbar. Yeah, I said it looked like a fish head. Hmm. So, pretty much the same. And probably fitting with Akbar because this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's clearly frustrated. I think because it won't eat enough, but I'm not totally hmm. sure. Maybe she's just frustrated with life. Yeah. But let me say this now. Every time I say baby, just put air quotes around it. Yeah. yeah. I th and I think this is... I don't want to call it the creature. Yeah. This is probably the moment I noped out of the film as well. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm done. Okay. I thought you would have made it a little bit further. Yeah. I was, okay. I, just, I wasn't in the right place for this. I was like, this is just, yeah, this is, this is, I need to come back to this at a later date. <laughs> Decades from now. <laughs> yeah. In the lobby, Henry takes a tiny package out of his mail slot. Yeah, I've got, again, it's like we've just spent the whole first 10 minutes of the podcast, or at least I have, trashing people that are trying to analyze this film. And, and like, David Lynch doesn't really want to analyze. Just That's like, okay. Go right ahead. Just go for it. But, but, but I, I was thinking, like, what does that mean? Because to me, it looked like, again, it looked like a very comical. I thought it was, we, we just, like, got a shotgun wedding and we got married because of the kid. I thought he'd ordered, like, this tiny ring, like, in this comically sized box. So I thought he was going to, like, give her a ring. And it does look like a ring when he pulls it out of the box, but it's a worm <laughs> that's in a circular shape. Uh, it's, it's like a semicircle, whatever. It's but, semicircle, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I thought, I thought it was a ring. And then and he pulls it out. It's like, yeah, it's a ring. It, oh, no, that's not a ring. That's a parasite. That's a that's, that ring worm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, we had seen him earlier in the movie walk in. That carpet, that zigzag carpet. Oh, yeah. That's Lynch, though, isn't it? Every one of his films is like, find me the ugliest carpet but in I the world. But I feel like it's that pattern. Yeah. It's that pattern. And in the theater, we're going to see those curtains. Mm -hmm. It's black and white. But I can 99% guarantee that they're a dark red. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, yeah, they're red or orange. Yeah. The elevator is incredibly noisy and incredibly slow. Uncomfortably slow, yeah. The, 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 the entrance shot when he goes in before this is like, presses the button to go up. It feels like 
two minutes before the doors even close. It's waiting for like, what's, what's taking so long? That again, kind of a very Lynch thing. Totally fine with that. The fact that it's noisy is important because apparently you can hear it because a couple of times throughout the movie, Henry will hear that and go to the door door, expecting to see someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he takes the tiny package, but he doesn't open it inside. He goes outside in front of sort of a garage door. Mm -hmm. A huge door behind him. He opens it up. And he sees that it's that. He seems surprised by it, but it's hard to tell because he looks surprised by sort of everything in the movie. Mm -hmm. Surprised and confused constantly. At home, Henry smiles at baby and mother. Inside, Inside the apartment is the loud radiator. And we kind of cut to it. And we see a theater, but we don't see anybody yet. Mm. Outside of the radiator is more of this sort of black nest that seems to be everywhere. Brush. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just tumbleweeds or something like that. I've got no idea. There is at night a storm outside. The baby whines. This is where I noticed the tree with no pot on the nightstand. Mm. (laughs) But why? (laughs) It also looks dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's stems, but no leaves. Yeah. Henry puts his mystery package content, which I guess is a worm. At this point, I kind of thought it was a weird pepper. I wasn't really <laughs> yeah, sure. It does look a little bit like a weird pepper. But he puts it in this super tiny cupboard that like he happens tiny, to have. Like, on his- a, like a tiny closet. Yeah. yeah. Mary is wide awake. They're sort of both wide awake. Because the baby's constantly crying, isn't it? Henry ties... Well, he touches Mary's shoulder and she just shrugs it off. Yeah. She yells at the baby to shut up twice, then returns to the bed. She continues to cry. Mary goes in the bathroom, dresses, and leaves, says she's going home. Henry, you're on vacation. You can take care of the baby for a while. Or I think she says you can take care of it for one night, but then she'll never We never see her again, yeah. (laughs) We don't see her again, do we? No. I don't think so. No. Mary says she just wants one night of sleep. And then she rocks the bed a long time trying to get a suitcase out. I thought this might be sexual innuendo, but it doesn't really fit with Henry's reaction or anything else that happens. Yeah. So it was just a weird, I uncomfortable... Think kind of, yeah, because it's, like, it's almost like, yeah, the banging headboard kind of thing, isn't it? It's like she's rocking the bed, rocking the bed. And I was like, what's going on? And then eventually she pulls out the suitcase. Oh, she was fishing around under the bed to get a suitcase. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Carry on. Maybe the massive disruption somebody makes when they leave for good. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was just weak. Again, just uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> the woman from the hallway will walk in wet from the rain, and then we cut to black. I mean, she comes up as being sort of important later, but we've now had the radiator theater and this one. It's almost like he just wants to tease that something is going to happen, mm. but they don't really feel necessary to me at this point because nothing's really happening here i wonder if he meant for them to connect better in a way the fact that she's walking in out of the rain if that means something in the apartment the baby is not crying but it is still moving because there for a while i thought it just died but no (laughs) we don't get off that easily no 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 it's a good puppet by the way Uh, i like this puppet the baby it's it's uh it's done pretty well it's disturbing and weird it's got good kind of, not not animation, but what would you call it? Um, like puppetry. Puppetry, yeah, yeah. Henry's going to take the baby's temperature. It seems normal, but as soon as he turns around, now it's diseased. Yeah, it looks like, to me, it like, looked like that poxed man from the beginning. It looks like the beginnings of that. Which I think is the connection there. So you could say that this baby's going to grow up to be one of those guys or that maybe that guy is the one who really fathered the baby. (laughs) Going into your thought that this is Henry's brain, maybe this is Mm. the bad part of Henry that has been birthed. Yeah. Yeah, that was so... I did not expect that. It's like, oh, you're fine, you're fine. And he he walks away, then turns back and it's like, (laughs) ta-da! Just... just. (laughs) By the way, I am sick. Now you can see it all over my body. Yeah, yeah. He puts a humidifier, this little humidifier, by the baby. Every time Henry tries to leave the apartment, the baby cries. At night, inside the radiator... Well, here's your woman inside the radiator. She's got weird mump-like cheeks. I just said the Super woman pale. The woman with paper mache cheeks. Okay, <laughs> yeah. no idea. I love this scene, though. She moves side to side, sort of, I guess, dance. 
And she's so happy. And she's happy. And then she starts just crushing these. They aren't full babies like the one that we have in the apartment, but like what we saw in that sort of weird montage at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. She's crushing them all and happy to do so. Yeah, she's so... Oh, she's. I, I don't know. I just. I really love this scene. I, I don't know why. Uh, it just... It's... It's done in such a way that it's, again, yeah, it just makes you feel something, you know? It's like, this This is so weird. She's so happy. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, what's going on? But it definitely left a mark. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for me, less so, though. I think uncomfortable is about the only thing it left me and puzzled, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't think those are the feelings he's hoping that I have. But <laughs> those are the feelings I had. Because yeah, she spends half of the time trying not to stand on them. She's like going around them really delicately and then she's got this gleeful little look at her face and she stomps on one of them and she's like, oh, that was fun. And then she starts just squishing all of them. What a, what a, what a weird part. <laughs> oh, but it's topped by the scene I thought got you. Oh. Which is Mary, we do see, though whether it's really Mary or not, we don't know. She's in the bed. Henry keeps saying, move over. She seems trapped in the blanket. And she's making weird sounds and motions and she's clacking her teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then he starts finding more of these, like, pre-babies yeah. in the bed. And he just starts throwing them against the wall. Yeah. That's where I thought you would have ah, okay, left okay. before. <laughs> that, that would have been where I would have bet. This is uncomfortable on top of what we already had. And then since Mary doesn't appear again, I'm just going to take the easy route and say it was probably a nightmare. Sure. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it just doesn't fit in any way that makes any sort of logical sense to me. I mean, Eraserhead in itself does not make really <laughs> a lot of logical sense to me. But even within the context of what story we are given, this just doesn't seem to fit. It fits as well as the Radiator Woman fits, assuming that she's real. Yeah, yeah. I just assumed this was... I'll just say, we'll put it out of there, you can delete it later on. Or you can delete this part of me saying this, but I just thought... Uh, Mary's not there. Suddenly there's a woman in his bed. He's throwing these things against the wall. This seemed to be to be a masturbation scene to me. Yeah. But if we're going with the whole these these, yeah. these little things are sperms. It's just and he's, it he's just really <laughs> Yeah. So you can you choose to do with that what you will. Alright. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's uh, it it makes sense to me. But it, um, it makes sense, but it doesn't and to it's me not, feel fitting. It doesn't in any way other than that. Other than throwing them against the wall, it doesn't seem to really fit that that's what he's doing. No, it's it's, it's not in a way that it, it's, it's just, I guess, so that it's not like explicit and like weird. But I mean, you know, this, this is like this kind of scene in his style. And, you know, it's not sexual or, it's, yeah, it's, it's not it's not sexual. It's just more weird. For me, these two scenes back to back work too much, though. Mm. We don't need to see essentially the same imagery twice of right. these things being destroyed. Because because the radiator, if you're going to say that, it's like that is his, his happy place, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I guess <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a spotlight on the little cupboard and the stop motion of what I said, the pepper, but you said it was the worm squirms off away somehow onto the moon from the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. It squawks and a bird sings. Henry looks like he's underground, but then he's in his apartment, and then there's a knock on the door. Okay, I'm trying <laughs> to follow. I'm trying. Opens the door to blackness for a very long time before the beautiful neighbor appears and enters the apartment. She says, your wife isn't here. Henry covers the baby's mouth so it'll be quiet. The neighbor asks to spend the night and leans in to kiss Henry. They kiss, and they start making out in sort of a hot tub that has... Is it, their bed. It's his bed. Yeah, but I also thought it was maybe like a mound of earth with water in it. Sort of a natural spring. Yeah, it looks like a hot spring, but it's in his bed. Yeah, it is what it is. They eventually go underwater. We see water separate in a reverse shot. So this mm -hmm. is where you're getting into your trick shots. Yeah. A montage of the neighbor and i think there's some more stuff with the moon the radiator woman sings about everything being fine in heaven yeah this song I, I, again i like this song as well the pixies do a cover of this song it's amazing they're obviously huge areas ahead fans too <laughs> <laughs> henry is going to walk on the stage and approach the woman in the radiator he takes her hand and everything goes white she disappears replaced by the diseased man from the beginning of the movie there's sort of an 
earthen cart with a dead tree that gets wheeled out onto the stage and Henry starts fiddling with some rod thing in his hand until his head falls off. I literally almost fell out of my seat at this point. It was like like such a jump scare for me. I did not expect that. I I got a surprise in my life watching that. That came out of nowhere, man. His head like just pops off and rolls across the floor. Yeah, did not see that coming. You're so easily spit. Oh, I am, I am, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there is sort of a baby like the the baby that we've seen. Yeah, that kind of pushes its way up through its neck into the to replace the head that just popped off. And a lot of bleeding. Yeah. Then the head falls outside <laughs> onto the street. Yeah, and a kid picks it up and is like, I'm gonna take this to well, to a pawn shop. After some homeless guy watches. <laughs> Yeah, the head is taken to... It's not a pawn shop, but it's like, that's what I thought at first. Who knows what this is supposed to be? It is a pencil factory, apparently. Yeah. Which has a receptionist guy with a bow tie who hits the buzzer way too long to bring in his boss who yells at him to see that there's the head to take it down into this basement where the pencil machine is. Where Ted's dad is. Yeah. And he drills a section of the head out, puts it in the machine, and I believe that the section of that head becomes the erasers. Yes. Thus, eraser head. I think this is where that comes from. And also, after he tests the pencil and the eraser to make sure that it's okay, which is why he says, it's okay, Yeah. the kid gets paid, we focus really intensely on the fact that the eraser shavings are just thrown away mm-hmm. we're gonna see those again later so this is my connection i think that one literally he's eraser head because they turned his head into <laughs> erasers that is the biggest one but uh, if i was to add some symbolism to it i would probably go with the waist mm-hmm. which is something whenever you use those erasers so much of it just feels like it goes away like way more than needs to he just erased like one line but there was a whole pile of shavings. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe it's, if I'm going to add meaning for myself, probably just the waste of life. Right. And not the waste of life is through death, but the waste of life through unfulfilled ambition. Mm-hmm. Even though Henry doesn't seem to have a lot of ambition, but I would probably give it that. And maybe that's my just interpretation, my projection of what's going on here. For all I know, Lynch just said, you know what? Let's call it eraser head. Let's turn his head into an eraser. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And that may very well be the case. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's like we do need, I mean, I think as human beings, we do need to find meaning in stuff. To say, oh, I'm just going to watch the film and not think anything of it is kind of impossible. You know, you, your brain will draw connections. You know, you'll, you'll make something out of something, even if it doesn't exist. And I think that's, that's kind of what Lynch wants is in, a, in a way is like you watch it and then you make up your ideas, what the movie means to you. This guy over here, he watches it and he has a completely different reaction, even if it's a negative one. Like, I don't I don't even like this film. I'm sure Lynch would be more than happy to, to hear that, too. Because like, that person would have felt something. Yeah. Henry knocks on the neighbor's door. There's no response. The baby seems to laugh now, seems to appreciate Very the fact that Henry creepily. is miserable. Yeah, it's such an evil laugh as well. Henry seems uncomfortable on the bed. Music plays. The baby is going to laugh again. Here's a part where he's going to hear the elevator. He goes to the door. He sees the neighbor with a creepy man. And the creepy man eventually gets one of these baby heads. Okay. Darren just shrugged his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't quite get what was going on here. As though that guy is going to create one with her or... If just everything Henry doesn't like now, he sees that way. Mm -hmm. But the man did have weird coloration on his face as well. Yeah. And when the woman looks at Henry, she sees that baby head as well, doesn't she? She she sees Henry as not having his head, but he's got the baby head. Oh, is that what it was? I could see that. That that would make sense. After he stares (laughs) through the lock of his own door, he's going to sit on the floor After, you know, they've gone into the apartment, he takes some scissors and he cuts the baby's wrapping. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. So yeah, because this baby's swaddled more or less and it's been... Has been the whole time. Placed on top of this table for the whole film. And it's like, all right, he's cutting off the swaddling, but... There's no 
skin, real body. That's, it's just organs underneath. That's the baby's skin. Yeah, it's like the swaddling is part of the baby. And yeah, and it's just like a heart and two little lungs or whatever. Harry seems horrified by what he sees, but he punctures it and the baby starts spitting up blood. And then this foam comes out of its lungs as well. Takes the, over the place pretty much. Yeah. The light in the room flickers. The outlet it's plugged into sparks. The baby's neck now seems really long and wriggles. We see close-ups of Henry's uncomfortable face. The baby's head now seems huge. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it, it is huge or if it's just right in our face. Really close up, yeah. But it moves as the light flickers. So when it's dark, the baby moves, which is, is creepy. Yeah. It, it's done well. We see the sort of moon from the beginning. Pieces break off. Henry's head is surrounded by eraser shavings. This is basically the poster. This is the box cover art. Yeah. This is the poster I had on my wall as a teenager. Yeah. His head is the eraser head surrounded by what I think are those eraser shavings. Mm -hmm. The camera zooms in to the hole of the moon. The diseased man laughs. There's sparks going everywhere. Like you said, there are sort of levers that he's moving around. Everything goes white. Henry and the radiator woman embrace, cut to black. And there it is. Eraserhead. <laughs> was it I right here? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like what you said. Cut to black. There you go. Eraserhead. And then weird kind of, not weird, but like kind of happy carnival music playing at the end, which made me think, yeah, this is just a ride. A carnival ride. You pay your money for the ticket. You go in. You take the ride. You think, wow, that was weird. And then you get off. And that's, to me, what this whole film felt like was a carnival ride. Okay. <laughs> My thing was, is this even really a movie? <laughs> I think we could say a film in the sort of art way of it's a film. But when I think of a movie, I think of a coherent story. And I really don't think that there is one. Like I said, I think that there are many different things that are put together here. I think he could have easily made... You could have had a just a film of the baby. Yes. Or just a film about the radiator woman. Yeah. Or just a film about the neighbor woman. Yeah, it's like a bunch of Twilight Zones all mashed together kind of thing. Like, you could have a bunch of these weird shorts. Yeah. So, for me, I think it probably would have worked better as shorts. I think I only have so much patience for a movie where I feel like there isn't really a meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I was getting out of this. But who knows? The interviews that we saw are probably Lynch at a much later stage of life than mm -hmm. in 77 when he was making this. Right. Maybe in 77 he was still trying to have a message and still trying to do that. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I just don't have much patience for this kind of movie beyond, say, the 20-minute mark. Right. And I felt it a lot as I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> there are some really long, uncomfortable things as well, which are good for what they are trying to do, I believe. Mm -hmm. But... That makes it hard for me to want to sit through the whole thing. And there are multiple times where I just wanted to stop watching or I wanted to speed it up because, right. okay, I can get what you're showing me in half the time that you're showing it to me. That's often how I feel if there's not really kind of like acting story going on here. Overall, though, I'm going to say it was interesting. Yeah. But... I don't see why I would ever watch it again. True. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I liked it, but I'm not, I'm not going to be running back to watch it like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive or Elephant Man even. I don't see why it has such the cult following that it does. I think that it's interesting. And I think that maybe people who came into Lynch's career early on, like at the beginning, they saw this and have been following him since, but they still have the nostalgia of Oh, but my first one was this. True. My first one was probably Dune. Yeah, my one was definitely my one was definitely Elephant Man because I, I did see that as a kid, so I definitely saw that one first, and that freaked me out as well. But yeah, it's like think about you know, I mean, I, I don't know. We've got, we've got this lens of how we how we look at things, like oh, 1970s was so straight edge and stuff like that. It's like no, it wasn't. There was way weird cinema back then too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, it was full of banana stuff. So to think like oh, this was like cutting edge at the time. It's like it probably was just another weird film at the time, and it, there's plenty of other ones. That were around around the same time. So it wasn't all Star Wars and Jaws and, and Alien, you know, in the, in the 70s. So it's like, it, I don't think it's because of that, but yeah, maybe it was their entrance point. I, I personally like what Lynch became and I think he refined himself because I, I, uh, even just his his character art, his own character art is really f interesting because it's like, he did this, he seemed like he was getting into special effects, he got into the Elephant Man, 
lots more makeup and special effects. He got into Dune and then he got famously frustrated by that and so much to the point that he wouldn't even put his name on the extended cut. It's an Alan, it's an Alan Smithy directed film and he got burned so bad and he vowed never to do anything like that again. He, he himself said, I've sold out and blah, 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 blah. And then he spread his wings and flew, you know, and we got all the great new Lynch films. I like what he's become. I think I respect Lynch more for his take on art and filmmaking than I actually probably do about his actual content, right. about his actual films. But my gap to fill is why in the world, given that you've seen, I haven't seen all of the short films that came before this, mm-hmm. but I imagine they're very Lynch-like. Yeah. And then we have Eraserhead, his first and only feature film. And what does he get next? But The Elephant Man. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Being, I believe, based on a true story. True story, yeah. And then Doom, one of the most kind of cold, <laughs> strong fan base of science fiction that there could be. But Dune had a lot of problems, man. I believe that. But my question is, why would they choose Lynch? I don't know exactly. I'm probably talking nonsense here because I haven't read up on a lot of it. But Dune was one of those like cursed productions. It was kind of like Lost in La Mancha. It went through several directors. It was actually... It was being made in the 70s and they blew like a gigantic budget and they needed extra money to finish it and they couldn't they couldn't find the money to finish it. They needed like five million extra dollars. Couldn't raise it. And so they canned it. They'd been working on it for so long. I'd be interested to watch. I don't know if there is a documentary about the making of Dune. There must be, but it went through absolute production hell. And so Lynch just ended up with it. It just landed in his lap. <laughs> He's like, all right. Okay, that makes a bit more sense then. Yeah. I thought he was their first choice. No, no, definitely not. No. Okay. <laughs> and I know that I'm going to annoy a lot of people out there, but I prefer the David Lynch Dune to the more recent adaptation. I still haven't seen the new one. Visually, it's probably better. Right. It fits the book better. But And the end of Dune, the Lynch one, is definitely very rushed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it's like he's squeezing in like all the books into right. one. Whereas they're have already split the newer Dune into... Is that a trilogy or is it... Well, I know it's going to be part one, at least part two. Right. And that was in the works from the beginning. I love the craziness of Lynch's Dune, though. Oh, it's brilliant. For me, that's where I really like it. I am not a huge fan of the book. I read the book. I don't really like the style that it's written in. And something about the craziness of the movie just kind of fills the gaps of what I don't like with a lot of fun and craziness and some really wild performances as well. Yeah, you can see just like some bits in it and he's like, where's the lynch part? Like, oh, there it is right there. There's a cow hanging from the ceiling and they're milking it like with syringes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But that's the thing. I just... I was watching this going, why would you see this? And then <laughs> go Elephant Man and go, yeah, sure, have Dune. I think it's probably for the best that he went off on his own and started to do his own thing. Yeah. I think he would have just made himself miserable trying to fit in to a world that isn't really what he wants to do. No, and he was miserable. He's on record. He's on record saying that he will never... Someone said about, have you seen this version of Dune? He's like, I won't watch it. Don't even talk to me about it. He's like, he, he'll never, ever even touch it with a barge pole again. So he had a terrible experience with, with, with making that film. Yeah, fair enough. When Eraserhead, head, are you going to watch it again? No, I would not watch it again, but I'm glad that I did. Fair enough. Gaps for the more gaps created. <laughs>